Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. everybody, Bob Stoffer joining you at 1235 in Edmonton from the uh, home office at the 630 Chad Studios. Big part of the show is Brendan Escott. Oilers now and uh, Oilers uh, broadcasts, Eskimos broadcasts on 630 Chad, the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers and the Edmonton Eskimos. We welcome back to the show our headliner today, and that is John Shannon for Touchback Safety. Your safety is their goal. Discover your safety training solutions at touchbacksafety.com. John, how was your weekend? It was great, Bob. It was great. A weekend of nice weather in Ontario. Well, we got... It was not pretty here, I can tell you. We finally uh, uh, got uh, Anakin out for a walk today because it rained hard the last two days. And I actually bumped into a uh, former NHL player. He played a bit with the Maple Leafs uh, out of Edmonton here, David Cooper, who was a first-round draft choice of the Buffalo Sabres uh-huh. in 1992. And uh, uh, like Anakin, uh, David has got a, a golden retriever as well. So they had a little bit of a conversation, and we uh, uh, got into some conversation about whether or not hockey was going to come back and the position the players are going to be in. And that's part of our story. But, John, I noticed you tweeted out a, a piece written in the New York Times mm-hmm. uh, about Dr. Uh, Bonnie Henry. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty interesting story in terms of how BC as a province was able to contain a pretty significant initial outbreak. Well, uh, I, I still have tons of family uh, that live in BC, and, and they... Even just anecdotally, they cannot say enough positive about her. And then uh, I remember her, obviously, from her time here in Ontario uh, mm-hmm. with the SARS epidemic in 2002. And she did such a marvelous job there. And for a Canadian to receive recognition in the New York Times for how we've managed uh, COVID-19 to to a certain level in British Columbia, I thought was... a was fascinating so that's why i uh, that's why i tweeted it out yeah uh, we will mention that uh, today's uh 
provincial update will come at 3 o'clock with Dr. Dina Hinshaw. It can be heard uh, live during 6.30 chat afternoons with uh, Jalen I. Alberta continues to uh, test at uh, the uh, highest rate per capita in the uh, country. Edmonton, over the course of the last 40 days, has... Uh, it's one too many, but just one death uh, related uh, to COVID-19. And uh, we're still, I know that it was just tweeted out by Pierre Lebrun in the last 20 minutes. Uh, Bill Daly saying they're still waiting for some sort of direction from the federal government. But at this stage, all three Canadian teams hypothetically are still in the mix. I know that Steve Simmons had strongly indicated uh, on the weekend that uh, Las Vegas uh, appeared to be in the driver's seat and that Edmonton in Vancouver, Steve basically said we're out at this time, but Bill Daly is contradicting uh, that perspective. What your thoughts? Well, I, what I do, what I can tell you, is the federal government reached out to the National Hockey League on Friday uh, to uh, to acknowledge that they realize it has to be dealt with. Uh, it has to be dealt with in a timely fashion, uh, and the NHL was hoping for positive news uh, this week. Um, you know, for some reason, uh, the the date of June the 14th sticks out. It's always the Friday before the uh, the uh, the long week or the the weekend, and uh, to me, that sticks out as a date uh, on so many levels. We're going to hear about the next uh, level of quarantining, whether it's in the provinces or what the federal government wants to do. But uh, I think there's an expectation that they hear something from the federal government uh, at some point this week. Yeah, which, which will which will tie in perfectly as the decision gets made for potential hub cities by uh, the 25th of June. In a perfect world, do you believe that Gary Bettman would like one of the two hub cities to be in Canada? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I think that that's the, on so many different levels. Um, one of them being the 70 cent dollar. Another being that uh, there's an expectation that uh, NBC is the host broadcaster uh, for the U.S. hub and that Sportsnet would be the host broadcaster uh, for the Canadian hub. Uh, So what he's trying to do is look after his two biggest partners uh, and then, uh, then really trying to find a way to make sure that hockey fans in both countries feel that they are loved and wanted uh, with, uh, with with one hub in each city, or in uh, each country, rather. John Shannon joining us, our NHL insider, Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. John, I'm watching the story involving Eugene Melnick in Ottawa, uh, and for the listeners that are unaware, uh, basically the Sens Foundation has distanced, is it fair to say distanced himself from the Senators? Well, they're, 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 uh, at a certain point, I think before July 1st, there'll no longer be an affiliation with the with the actual hockey club. And uh, there, I, I got to tell you, when I look at this, there, there's been a lot that's gone on with Eugene over the years. Um, you know, could could Eugene be in a little bit of trouble here with this stuff? I don't know, uh, and I, I, to be honest, I, I, uh, I have not followed it very closely because uh, there are times when it comes to Eugene and the Ottawa Senators, you just shake your head and say, "Oh no, not again." Um, what I can tell you is just from a, a practical perspective is that uh, even though it has the name the Senators in the Senators Foundation, uh, they are always run independently. They have to be run independently for tax purposes and for charitable purposes. Uh, so that means that would have a different board of directors uh, and would have a different constitution. 
and really, the, it, it, in many ways, the hockey club would start as a facilitator, uh, creating events for the foundation uh, that would, and the monies would be uh, uh, would be then moved from moved by the foundation to certain charitable organizations. The interesting thing, Bob, is is that uh, what what happens time and time again with charitable organizations is what percentage of the money raised goes to the charity. That always becomes a huge argument, Um, and I'm not insinuating anything at all, but you have to wonder if they're thinking that there's a little too much uh, administration cost within the senator's uh, foundation from the senators in order to justify the foundation working together. The best explanation I had uh, for Eugene Melnick, and I'm going to credit the source, A.J. Jakovic uh, said to me one time, and he works uh, with the TSN affiliate in Ottawa, and he said, Bob, unfortunately for Eugene, uh, he's been a bit like Elizabeth Taylor. You know, after the fourth or fifth or sixth husband, you realize it might not be the guys, it might be Elizabeth Taylor. And after the fifth or sixth or seventh story around Ottawa, you realize, you know what, like Daniel Alfredson, you know, leaves unhappy as a player, comes back to work in management, then leaves unhappy as, like, you know what I mean? There seems yeah. to be... The, the, one, the one thing, there's two things. First of all, Eugene Melnick, uh, without Eugene Melnick investing at the time he did, the Ottawa Senators would not be there. They right. would have moved. You know, he, he got a good deal on the team and the arena, but there was no, not much other interest in keeping the team in Ottawa when Eugene bought it. The second thing I would say is, and I'm not defending Eugene. Eugene has his flaws, to say the least. But they are exacerbated when your team loses. Uh, and that becomes a major issue when it comes to ownership. And the other thing is, Bob, is that there are times, in particular in our country, we forget that these hockey teams are private enterprises. Yes. They are businesses. They're, they're, you know, they're, not, they're not part of the public sector. Um, you know, some, some owners have different views of what the team is. Um, and uh, dare I say, Eugene, Eugene, the last three or four years, has not made any money off of his hockey club. Uh, and a lot of the blame could be put at his own feet. Uh, but that said, I like your Elizabeth Taylor representation. There are times when a lot of the mistakes you can point directly to the owner in trying to make sure that the team wins. And um, the other thing I would make is that we, it's, the Ottawa Senators have never been the same since the passing of Brian Murray, uh, who could manage Eugene and manage Eugene very well. And there was a mutual respect and there was an understanding that it came to hockey, it was Brian Murray, and Brian Murray only. And Eugene would, for the most part, keep his nose out of that side of the business. Yeah, and I guess, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss without mentioning, uh, you know, Pierre Dorian, in terms of talent evaluation, I mean, they, that organization's been able to find players in oh, rounds sure. four, five, and six, really good players like Mark Stone. They just haven't been able to keep them. Well, that's uh, right. I mean, listen, listen, Mark, Mark Stone, Eric Carlson. Sure. Uh, you, you know, I mean, Thomas Shabbat and, and, uh, and Kachuk uh, right now are two of the bright young stars of the National Hockey League. They're going to get, they potentially could get two more this draft. Pure. Pierre Dorian has done a pretty good job with what he's had to work with when you consider that he was forced to move players in order to get draft picks and some of them are some of the draft picks are working but that in, that in itself is a little bit of a lottery 
I got one more for you. I mean, he told me at 2014, uh, the draft was in Philadelphia that year. He came yeah. right over by our table after we drafted Dry Settle and said, you guys just got the best player in the draft. Wow. Right there at the draft. So he's, I've, I've always had well, a lot I, of time. I, I, have a, I have a ton of time for Pierre. Uh, yeah. And I think Pierre has matured as a manager, too, in the last two or three years. Uh, and uh, has really, again, with what he's had to work with, with who he's had. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. ...to work with, with a small staff in the NHL, Bob, uh, has, has done a pretty darn good job. Uh, and full disclosure, this show is called Oilers now. It is part of the Oilers Entertainment Not Senators group. today? Not Senators today. Well, that'll be okay. the text we get. Actually, we're going to hit on something else. I, I work for OEG, and, and we had a bit of a conversation. I, I made a... Uh, the Boston beat Vancouver 4 nothing today, John, but it was only Game 4. It was not Game 7. I previously stated that it was Game 7. Uh, there were two 4 nothing victories for Boston over Vancouver. But that what I remember about that 2011 year, I don't know if you felt this, and maybe this will give us some perspective on it, but certainly here in Alberta, and it was in both Edmonton and Calgary, there was no love for that Canucks team. Like, it was amazing how many people in Canada seemingly wanted Boston to win the Stanley Cup. Do you recall it being that way that year? Absolutely. I mean, this was, the, this was British Columbia against the world. Uh, you know, they, it, it was at a time when the Canucks were, uh, they were out there on their own. You know, they were they were in a, they were in a place that they were the most. I think, in, in many ways, at that time, they were the most despised team in the league. Uh, and and I mean, Mike Gillis and I have talked about a lot of it has to do with Mike Gillis's personality. Uh, you know, remember they won the President's Trophy that year. They yes. were the best team in the regular season. Uh, and and dare I say, uh, I wonder what would have happened had Manny Malhotra not had the eye injury. Because they were, they missed Manny in so many ways. Because he 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 had a heck of a season until the eye injury, and was such a glue player for that team. And you know, but I mean, here who were, here we were, we were, and and looking back at it now, here we were we were cheering for Tim Thomas and ripping Roberto Luongo. Uh, right. And imagine that today, thinking thinking that we actually liked Tim Thomas more than than Luongo. Uh, I uh, there are and and Daniel and Henrik. Uh, we're so good and such great players, but they, uh, we didn't like Alex Burroughs. And we, it, it, there was a few players on that team that, uh, that drove you nuts. And uh, that, to me, was what would that, Kevin Bieksa. I mean, was yeah. one of those guys. They were, a, they were a team that was easy to hate. I, okay, well, I'm pleased that you, you know, you're providing that perspective because I can tell you, in Edmonton and Calgary, uh, there, there was total disdain for the Canucks. And yeah. it wasn't because Vancouver was way better than those two organizations. It, it was because of, you know, and part of it was also a bit, there was a bit of the, you know, the, the mark, and it was the start of Twitter at that time, too. Like, Twitter just kind of got really rolling in around 2010-11. Mm. And so I, I always found it uh, very interesting. 2011, 
John was also the year the Oilers took Ryan Nugent Hopkins number one. And uh, I will tell you, uh, as a guy who monitors tweets and those sort of things, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has a lot of fans in Edmonton. Uh, yes, he does. And there's no question that they know, uh, <laughs> apparently, Leon Dreisaitl has to, uh, has been categorized a center, uh, for the All-Star vote. That's another conversation we might be getting to. But just with RNH, his uh, deal is up in 2021. Uh, I would like to see, uh, especially after growing and watching the greatest team ever, I think, get dismantled because Peter Pocklington couldn't afford to keep them together. I would like to see, you know, Nugent Hopkins play the duration of his career at Edmonton. Give me your thoughts on a possible contract extension, why it does make sense, maybe why it doesn't. What are your, what are your feelings? Well, I, first of all, I, I, the, the interesting thing about Ryan is I think in these last two seasons, now, I think we've seen a, a different player. I think we've seen a more complete player. Uh, I've seen. I think we've seen a guy grow up a ton. Um, and and even my evaluation, and Buff, you and I have talked about him many times off the air. Yeah. Even my evaluation of him, I think, has changed. I think his value to this hockey club is much higher than it was. Um, and if you can tell me when the off season officially starts. Because I don't, we really don't know that yet. Right. Uh, and when the window opens for signing, for, uh, you know, players on your own team, uh, I think it's worth. I think it's worth uh, Kenny Holland to do it. The, the The interesting thing for me is I, 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 you know, the six, you know, the seventy games that the Oilers played. Um, it, 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 Kenny Holland needed to ascertain a guy like Nugent Hopkins and his value, because if he thought he was. If he really thought he liked him, then he was going to keep him. And I, I do believe at a certain point, if he thought that he could get some value for him, even at last year's deadline, it might be worth it. But the fact that he kept him, I think, tells you that they really like him and they like his value. And when you, when you know, when you talk about, you know, Connor, Leon, and Ryan down the middle, that's not a bad trio to have on your hockey club. The question, then, the question becomes: is how much. Resign him, sure, resign him. But does he deserve a raise? I don't know. How much? How many years are you going to sign him for? I mean, those and those answers can't happen until we figure out the financials of the National Hockey League for next season. And that that is that's going to be the most difficult thing. Uh, this texter sends in a text on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Johnny says, Bob, we thought Hall and Everlay were going to be career Oilers. And another texter says, Bob, Vancouver is the Toronto of Western Canada. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I don't find Vancouver to be the Toronto. I, I respectfully disagree to the texter. Uh, Toronto is a unique market unto itself. Well, Toronto is New York, right? Toronto is yeah. the New York of Canada. They, Everybody's they driven nuts that... That all the media, most of the media comes out of Toronto. That uh, that uh, everything's done with leading with the Maple Leafs or leading with uh, with uh, t- Toronto-based teams. Uh, it, it's interesting, though. It's really only in hockey that that case is because when you look at when the Blue Jays are winning, then it becomes they become a national team. When the Raptors won, they became sure. a national team. So it, sure. it, all all the all the hatred is based certainly on and just on what happens in the rink. Well, I mean, I, I think part of it is in most years, John, uh, the Maple Leafs are on national TV 90 times a year, and they only play 82-game regular season. 
that's, that's your opinion, but that's not true, but that's okay. I'm just having, you know what, it makes sense. I mean, there's 14 million people, there's 14 million people in Ontario. 14 million people in the Toronto, in the, in the Ontario hockey market, 14 yeah. million. Yeah. Um, it, and, and the revenues that come out of, the revenues that come out for the Maple Leafs, the revenues come out for the Canadian networks, the revenues that come out for the National Hockey League in both countries are driven by what happens in Ontario. Uh, one final one for you, and I know you got you you open up each week. You do like a, a thing where people can tweet in questions. Yeah. Are you, are you hearing anything on the Edmonton or Calgary television rights? I am not hearing a darn thing. You know, I mean that's the you know the the Rogers world. I think they were last week. They were completely tied up with with getting Chris Cuthbert done, uh, and uh, from a, from a television perspective, uh, I'm not sure that there's any hurry on Rogers' part to try to get it done. Uh, right now they're they're more concerned about the summer tournament and then when that season starts whatever that season starts let's say january i think you know there's still that timeline heck of a one true punch eh, with uh cuthbert and jim houston now oh it's it uh it, i mean it reminds me of the days when i ran the place and the, the one two punch was was cole and cuthbert you know and uh you know and i and i think that that's uh I'm really happy for Chris as a person. I was lucky enough to be part of the group that brought Chris to Edmonton uh, to work on Hockey Night. Uh, He's been a friend ever since. Uh, It's a dream come true for him, uh, and he's guaranteed three rounds of playoffs every year. Uh, And I think it's just fantastic for he and his family uh, to be able to say those four simple words that mean so much in our business, Hockey Night in Canada. John, great stuff. Thanks for your time. Hey, Bob, have a great Monday. You bet. That is our Oilers Now headliner, our NHL insider, John Shannon. Our headliner brought to you by Touchback Safety. Your safety is their goal. Discover your safety training solutions at touchbacksafety.com. All season long, uh, we have the Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown injury lawyers. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, and the gang at jameshbrown.com want you to stay safe and stay positive. Keep texting us on our Ashley Five Floors text line at 780-496-0063. And uh, we'll try to uh, get to uh, some more texts. We've actually got a fair amount of uh, questions going on, uh, texts going on uh, on COVID today. Uh, I do want to read this one. Daryl says, once in my life, I cheered for another non-Canadian team. When the Habs played the Russians uh, in the early 1970s, I took particular pleasure in the loss when Dryden... uh, uh, put his on Harlamov's stick and he potted the empty netter. I rejoiced. I hated the Canadians then and still did to this day. Well, Daryl, the Canadians played uh, the Russians in 74, 70, or, uh, 75, 76, and that was a 3 3 tie. And the Canadians outshot the Russians 38 13 in that game. Uh, I'd agree with you. Harlamov was a brilliant player. He scored unbelievable goals in the Summit Series. In Montreal in the first game in 1972, but that was not against the Montreal Canadiens. That was against Team Canada um, and scored a fabulous goal against uh, the Rangers in 1975-76 where he deked through the whole team, too. He was a, an unbelievable 
uh, player, and suspiciously, the brakes went out in his Lada. Uh, 1256 in Edmonton, we will go off to a global news, weather, traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back on 105, uh, an athletic director that uh, had to deal some tough news uh, late last week, the announcement was made today. Uh, the youth sports season for the fall sports, which includes programs like Chris Morris's Golden Bears football team, uh, their season is already gone, and we're sitting here in June. So it's gone before it even had a chance to start. Ian Reed, uh, when we return in Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.